This is the Fox Motorsports Supercast Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome to the Fox Motorsports Supercar Podcast, wrapping all the action from the Ipswich Super Sprint. Uh, and we have an all-star cast this week. Welcome, Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Welcome, Will. Hello, hello. And David Reynolds from Erebus Motorsport. Good afternoon, hey. Mr. Reynolds. G'day, guys. What's going on? I wouldn't say all-star. Did you say all-star? I did say all-star. I'd, I'd say We've got a Bathurst win between us all. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, and this week, we're joined by a very special guest who just happened to call Mr. Reynolds at the at the opportune time. Wrong time. At the Phil Bradigan, <laughs> freelance motoring journalist. Phil, welcome along to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I thought I was going to be grilling DR, and now I'm just the one being grilled, so be kind <laughs> of me, okay? <laughs> hey, yeah. we'll, you can we'll still grill him. You can do it, yeah. You can, you can, we'll have a chat after this, and it'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, but which time will be slightly sautéed on one side. Exactly. So, w- w- welcome to the welcome to the world of podcasts and the twenty second century, and the media. Thanks, Dave. No worries, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right. First off, this week let's let's wrap up the Ipswich Super Sprint because they weren't two great races, but. The battles in between were the things that fascinated me. And the first thing that we think we need to talk about is Walkinshaw. The two teammates running into each other and then having a mini meltdown afterwards. Uh, Will, how did you see this uh, this battle between Courtney and Pye? I think my favourite part was when Stubbsy asked Scott Pye, or was talking to Scott Pye after the race and said, yeah, JC said you ran into him, what's your take on it? And Scott had no idea what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> it was lap one, there was a gap, he had a run on Courtney. Sure, it was his teammate and I could understand JC saying he should have given him a bit more room, but, you know, that swings both ways. You've got your teammate inside you and it's lap one, give him a bit of room. So, yeah, I'm kind of glad I was, wasn't there for that debrief. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, it looked really awkward with, I mean, uh, with Stubbsy interviewing them both separately in the garages after. And it's fair to say that if you're on the socials or watching the um, the Sydney night race, the Radio Days is, is, has an epic spray from Courtney about, uh, about Scotty Pye and he does not let up. He goes on and on and on <laughs> about his... Is it wet? I'm trying to find it. I can't. I can't seem to find it. Where is it? I will send it to you. It's oh, a work so in progress. Yeah, they haven't put it out yet. It's a work in progress. Yes, I've got the raw radio. and I'm just putting it together, and it is. A, it is a fairly oh, good yeah. spray. In fact, oh, some awesome. of it I couldn't. I love even, that shit. Yep. Yeah, some 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 of it I couldn't even put in. Oh, put it all in. No, I can't. I can't. Anyway, <laughs> that's how you we know say it, it when you can't use all of it. <laughs> if so, we say it, we should be held accountable for it. Ask I, me. I'm the king of this. That's true. (laughs) That's true. There have been a few things over the years that drivers should not be held accountable for, but, yeah, better better not seeing the light of day. (laughs) That's everything we say and do. Exactly. So, Phil, (laughs) I mean, um, how did you see this this incident between between Courtney and Pye? Well, I I want to put a caveat in here. I wasn't at Queensland Raceway, so I'm not really going to (laughs) give anybody a first-hand account. I haven't spoken to either of those gentlemen since. But, look, a couple of things. I'm, I'm glad that there's, there's no team orders. We've seen the effect of team orders from Formula One and it really degrades things, number one. And number two, I'm glad we don't have a series where drivers are very cautious about what they say. I mean, mm. how boring would it mm. have been if somebody sticks a microphone, and I'm looking at you, Will Gale, 
sticks a microphone under the driver's mouth and they just give us platitudes about, you know, their teammate being in a competitive situation. And I don't want to sound like I'm trying to get off the hook because I'm not. Um, but I, I actually didn't have a very good view of the incident. And uh, it's inev- inevitable, is it not, DR, that there are going to be teammates on occasion who run into you? Mate, all the time. It's not a matter of when we cra- if if we crash into each other, but when we crash into each other. It's just it's just part of the parcel of racing. We're all going to crash into each other at one stage, as long as you know we can say we hate each other and then you know make up after the show. It's probably a good thing. But I actually haven't really seen the uh, the, the crash, so I can't really comment on it. But I know they both went to the stewards' mm-hmm. office and they were kind of left in a bit of a, like they kind of reprimanded each driver because they they had their own part to play in it. But the innocent bystander was Winnerbottom. Winner he mm. got turned around just through no fault of his own, which it's just sucks, but that's part of it. You got, I mean, you got a feel for Frosty. He was having a, a rotten, he's having a rotten few races. And to have yeah. this, but I, but I guess you shouldn't, if you qualify better, then you shouldn't end up in a situation like that. So... Yeah, generally you want to qualify in the front couple of rows. Once you sort of get to from about sort of eighth or ninth back, you're getting crashed into all the time with it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, JC has a kind of uh, has a little bit of a history here with some of his former teammates, teammates as well, doesn't he? Like he, I mean, him and Tanner don't really see eye to eye. Um, I don't, I don't know whether they see eye to eye. They crash, they crashed into each other a bit on the track, and I don't know. It's just. It's just part of it. The hardest person to pass is your actual teammate, because like, mm. you come up, you come up on them. You might be faster, and you know, technically, he should really give you a, a bit more room than all the other races you're racing against. Or you know, he just has this mindset that he has to beat you because you know you have to beat your teammates in motorsport for some stupidly ungodly reason, <laughs> which I find idiotic at most at the, at the best of times. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, we, we saw the somewhat resurgence of, you know, the continuing form of, of um, Red Bull Holden Racing Team kind of getting back to the front with kind of Van Gisbergen leading the way and those two rocket starts, one on Saturday where he kind of got from eighth and muscled round you, Davey, and then kind of muscled his way to second. And then on Sunday he kind of blazed off at the start and was never headed. Yeah, like I, like I said before, um, that track's just really, really dirty on the inside line. Like if you were to drive off down the straight, just a car with off the racing line, there's so much dust and crap everywhere. So when you start from the inside of the track, generally you're at a disadvantage. So um, that was I was really pissed off because I qualified fourth for the first race. I'm like, I'm sick. I'm going to be on the outside outside row. I'll have a good grip under me. And then uh, Mossa got done for impeding Van Gisbergen yep. in qualifying and got, you know, a grid spot penalty. So I went to third and I was like, no, but I wanted to stay fourth. Couldn't couldn't Rick Kelly, who qualified fifth, he can have third. Obviously, he'd be stoked with that. And then, so obviously I got a shit start and made myself look like a bit of a dick because I'm kind of, I'm like a known for getting good starts, but I, I just couldn't get off the line for some reason. And I, I'm not blaming, well, actually I'm blaming everything on that, so bugger it. <laughs> And then on the Sunday, I got a terrible start on the inside again, so, yeah. So, I mean, Van Gisbergen's not been known for his race starts in the last few years. I mean, they've, they've been not the not great, but not terrible. But these these two starts were rocket starts. So whatever they've done there in the last few rounds, something's they've obviously got something that he's very comfortable with to get off the line that quick. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah contrast. It's a, it's a, Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Sorry, you go, you go. It's just it's just a procedure like at mm. the start, you know, you, uh, your throttle percentage, your line locker percentage, uh, you know, how much clutch slip you want to give it and, you know, the reaction time you get on the on the start and then what you do when the car when it when the car launches and then what do you do with the throttle and the brake in that secondary phase and how you drive off. Um, it's very, very hard to manage because it's really hard to you know, you can do practice starts all day long at a test meet at a, you know a test day but it actually doesn't equate to anything better on the on the line because there's no pressure um it's all about how you deal with pressure in that in that you know split second moment and how you react to the lights after that and what your car does and generally most people go how do you start a car and i'll say i wouldn't even know it just happens for me yeah I seriously swear to god i wouldn't even know what i'm doing but <laughs> i just it's somehow it just i can make it happen most of the time, most of the time, I can. Sometimes I just make a dig of myself and I go backwards. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the other, I mean, SPG, you know, apart from you know getting back on, getting to the race win on on Sunday, was also also had people kind of, I won't say helping him out, but not hindering him. I mean, Coulthard was told let him through, and let him go, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mostert as well. Mostert was told to let him through. Why would you let a competitor just go? Would you not hold him up because? You know, let him race you, not just open the door and let him through. Well, there's obviously many schools of thought here. <laughs> it's all it's all about your perspective <laughs> on, at the at, at the race at the time. So you know, if he's going to be a lot faster than you, you don't want to hold yourself up, and then you know someone can un- overcut you in the pits, and then you're gonna you're gonna lose a spot that way. You almost want to let him go without losing the the most amount of time you can. So. Um, it depends if you know he's ob- if he's got a faster car. He's obviously going to get round to at some stage. Mm. Why would you ruin your race and you know and vice versa? So you try and let him go. It depends. Like if it, if you if it's for the lead, you try and hang on as best you can. But I don't know. It was interesting because um, if 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 Coulthard held held him up for like two seconds, then McLaughlin would have jumped him in the pits or something. So mm. I'm surprised they mm. didn't have the the mouse to sort of forecast forecast that and try and tell Fabian to hold him up. Yeah, they were too too worried about their own race. Yeah, just so is, it, is it a matter of also you play a different hand in that if if, uh, if your teammates in a strategic position. I mean, it happened to you in Adel- uh, it happened to you in Darwin, for instance. You were on the right side of that. I think you had fresher tires. On the yes. Sunday, and, pe- and people got out of the way. So, how much of how much of the, the thinking about your teammate comes into that question? Well, you, you, it's, obviously the information has to be given to you um, from your team because when you're racing out there, you don't really know who's pitting, who's going to jump out around you. So it's kind of up to them to tell you. So um, Fabian was just doing what he was told, really. Mm. But I mean, it's just a, it's just it's a, it's really I think it's a shame to kind of just let him walk through. Without putting up somewhat of a fight, I mean, you know, your teammates in a fierce in a battle for the for the championship, and right there leading the championship, and you're like, well, you wouldn't want to hold him up a little bit, one or two seconds, just to make it a little bit difficult. Apart yeah, from pull over and was at, If you look at where Fabs was at that point in the race, he wasn't racing Van Gisbergen for the win. He wasn't racing Van Gisbergen or racing for a top three spot. The people he was worried against, and the people Mark Fanning and his engineering crew were right worried about were Craig Lowndes and Rick Kelly. Mm. And you look at where he came out of the pits and where those cars were, those two seconds would have put Fabs behind him. 
and that's that's yeah. what their concern was. Whether exactly they should right. have had that broader concern and looked at okay, that two seconds, that getting Scott a shot at the win and getting him track position over Van Gisbergen and getting him the extra points in the championship battle to try and retain, try and lock up a driver's championship. Is that more important in the long run than whether Fabs finishes fifth or ninth on this particular weekend? As, um, to be fa- to be fair, that's a hard thing to look at to begin with, like on the fly. Mm. If that's something, no doubt that's something they're going to talk about during these couple of weeks. Cause you look at the points difference the swing, if McLaughlin had have come out of the pits ahead of Van Giersbergen and you know make the assumption that he was would have been able to hold him off, that's not that may not necessarily have been the case. But had Scott been able to get that win, that's not just the twelve point difference between first and second. That's a twenty four point swing. He builds an extra tw- because Van Giersbergen loses effectively loses that twelve point advantage, and you compare yep. that to what would have happened to Fabs dropping from fifth to ninth. I think that's 27 points. So you look at it from a team's... Fabs is kind of on his own in in the driver's standings in sixth place at the moment. There's a decent gap ahead to Lounsey, decent gap behind to Rick. Ironically enough, those t- same two guys. Mm. Um, overall, the team would have lost three points in the, team's, in the team's championship, which they're fighting against Red Bull for. So it's, e- it's easy to work this stuff afterwards. Yeah. It's easy to look at that stuff afterwards, but it is a bit of a surprise that they haven't been thinking of that and haven't been proactive about that, given the relative position of their two drivers in the championship. Mm. But they clearly are now, and they would never have done it Mm. if it was against Penske policy, especially with a couple of visitors from headquarters um, in the United States at Queensland Raceway. So clearly the plan, there's a lot of information. Yeah, there's a lot of information Mm. available uh, inside the garage which is being relayed to the drivers before they make those decisions. Yes. We don't... We don't... Uh, we don't... What is that? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm talking shit. <laughs> you're going to say you just, you just do what you're told. Is that what you're going to say, Dave? Yeah, we just... We exactly. We do what we're told. Like, we don't know where, where, who we're racing exactly until they say, you know, oh, um, get every last tenth out of it. We could possibly jump a few cars here or, you know... And also... When you're on the track and the car comes screaming up to you, you know you're gonna, you know you're kind of f-ed out there. So sorry about my language, but you you got to let them go as quick as you can without trying to destroy your own race. Yeah, well, I'm mean, speaking about that, and you know, I know we spoke about McLaughlin a bit. He's he continues to just chip away. You know, he took the yep. took the race win on on Sunday, and then the second place. Sorry, the race win on Saturday, and the second place on Sunday. I mean, he's really in the box seat. Yeah, hundred um, percent. He's looking the goods at the minute. Qualifying is where he sets up his weekend and it just gives him the best opportunity to win the race in the fastest car. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. He just you know, just keeps chipping away, chipping away, and we saw at Townsville even when he was having a bad weekend he was still third. I mean it's yeah. I mean, it's way too early to put the flag up, but surely it's his to lose this year. Well it was basically his to lose last year. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Boy, yep. who's going to say something about Newcastle? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, exactly. You're insane, though. Lucky that, lucky that Lowndes is retiring. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, well, I th- 24 point swing at QR. They lost the title by 21 points last year. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, new, new, I think last year when he was, you know, kind of in the championship hunt for the first year, I think he got a bit spooked and the, the 
a Newcastle kind of body man done with a little bit of Russia blood to the head and everything, I don't think if he's in the same position this year that that he would have he will make those same mistakes. He would have learnt from last year, and he looks a lot more calmer and a lot more uh, has a different demeanour to to the same point last year. I think you're right. I think it's absolutely true. And I'd like to make two points. I think it's a little bit too early for people to start saying that Jamie Winkup's out of a championship fight because he's 450 points behind. Uh, with a 300-point race coming up in Sydney, a single mm. race, one bad result. Let's imagine that someone gets hit in the first corner and then there goes anything up to 300 points, number one. And, and the other point I would make about this is that uh, it's never over until it's over. What we have seen this year is a mid-season resurgence from Red Bull HRT. And, gee, who didn't think that was going to happen? <laughs> they will always go, go well in Adelaide. Shane's very strong there. If the championship was raced at Adelaide every year, Shane would win it and Jones Courtney would be second every year. Mm. But it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they, the mid-season and resurgence was always going to happen, and mm. it is happening now. Yeah, I saw an article on supercast.com.au saying that Red Bull have, stickle, have got some cool things on the way. So I did see that too, yeah, yes. That, that is an interesting thing. It's not the parts they're putting on, but the way they're, the uh, philosophy is setting up the car and doing that. So if they... Well, go, only over one one thing out. David, David, you yes. haven't signed for them, have you? Is that, is that the cool thing that's heading their way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> Well, it's, much it's an ominous. It's got to be an ominous warning for the rest of the field if they've still got some cool, some good stuff coming, and they're, you know, already showing that they're signs of their mid-season resurgence, and they haven't got, haven't, haven't had that philosophy yet. But like well, this, look is, at what, this is, this is the same. They always do that, don't they? They sort of have a couple of bad races, and then they go smash everyone towards the mm. end of the year. They've done this a few years in a row. That's exactly what I was about to say. You look at 2016, they, like, it was all kind of open up until Townsville, and then Red Bull went out and trounced everyone that weekend. Yeah. And there pretty much wasn't another weekend for the rest of that year with, without a Red Bull car winning or being on pole or front row lockout. It's, mm. it's what they do. It's just, it's what they do. It's just it's such a strong team. <laughs> Although, in, like, uh, you know, up until this moment, it's been Van Giersbergen who's led the, who's led the charge. I mean, in the early couple of rounds, he had something go wrong every round and was, is still able to consistently put in those results, where Winkup bagged a set of fourths on the weekend. Um, he certainly hasn't hit his straps yet, so I know he's 431 points behind and some of my l- more learned colleagues have, have written him off, but surely he's got to hit his straps very, very soon. He's, he's also the only one of the top three guys who's had a had a zero-point result mm. this year when he had the gear, the transaxle issue in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So none of, no one else that's in that top four, including your good self, Dave, has had, uh, <laughs> had a non-score. So I've had a 25th, which is that. almost as good as a non-score. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still get some points for... Between. You get points for writing your name down correct on the entry sheet. You got to not well, race a point for a day. You should get extra points for showing up on time at the press conference. <laughs> I'm always early. You are always early. You're one of the ones yeah. that's always early. I think the other thing we can expect from the middle of the season, just, just talking about who's going to improve and who isn't, 
is I think Walking United are going to step up because they've only just started their testing program. They've mm. clearly been holding back, waiting for some new bits and pieces to play out on those two cars, and they're starting now. So as soon as they start to feed in, I think there's going to be an improvement, and that's going to make the battle for maybe the top six even more exciting than it's been all year. Gee, it'd be good to see them get back up because they have been absolutely missing since Adelaide this year. That They showed you know a little bit of promise at, at Adelaide and then disappeared. Oh, they went well at the Grand Prix. Well, okay, fine. Except for high-winning yeah. year in Melbourne. Yeah, but apart from that, they've been, no, you know, Scotty Pye has been the, the leader there, you know, bagging a couple of fifth fifth places and some, some, some you know, just some fourths and sixths along the way. But really, they've kind of not been as competitive as everyone else week in and week out. So for them to get back up into the into the championship fight and, and challenge for race wins is something that I think everyone wants to see. Well, that's absolutely true, and everybody else is going to have to take that into account and cater around that, and that's where I think someone like Jamie is so good, because even if there is someone coming up from time to time, whether it's you, Dave, taking race wins and podiums, and there's been plenty of those this season, or whether it's the resurgence of Nissan and Rick Kelly, he's been really good at accommodating that, having what is by his standards a bad weekend, and still going home with a bag full of points, and that's why you can't write him off. Mm. And speaking of, of the Kellys and, and Nissan, they were kind of there or thereabouts. It wasn't a great weekend for them, considering the strength they've, they've had this year. I mean, Rick Kelly was ninth on Sunday and 13th on Saturday. I mean, Caruso was the highest place, Nissan there on Saturday. So they, they really, you know, I know that Townsville was a big uh, struggle for them and it looks like Ipswich wasn't well, so... Hopefully they need to come back stronger and and show some of that preseason, sorry, that mid-season form that they've they've had. I think they do, and I think the big question mark at Nissan remains, especially after uh, a weekend like we saw at Queensland Raceway, where people like Michael Caruso have been strong before. Mm. Is the Rick Kelly Nissan seems to be the pick of the bunch, and the other three don't seem to be backing it up, and maybe. It's, it's too early to, uh, in a career to show uh, to throw uh, Simona into that bunch. But I can't figure out why Caruso isn't closer to the Rick Kelly pace. Yeah, well, I mean, he was, he on Saturday he was he beat Rick Kelly. He finished ninth, and Rick Kelly was thirteenth. But then on Sunday it was reversed. You know, um, yeah, Caruso. They're still not sure Caruso's car is a hundred. 110% after the whack it took in Townsville, so... Yeah, that was a, a pretty massive shunt. And I, did they... I don't think they went... I don't think they went home. I don't think they went back to Nissan. No, they didn't. So that would have hindered Caruso's car as well, the, the process of the rebuild. So, yes. No wonder they... It wasn't a, fully 100%. But surely Heimgartner and Simone have got to step up with that, that Nissan team. It, it looks like it's a two-car team at this moment in time. It, it is hard to get all four cars singing the same song mm. together. Um, but for me, if I was in that team, if I was like Andre or or Simone, I would say just just let's just let's all start where Rick starts, and yep. then we can like have little branches off in practice, and and then but like obviously Rick drives the car very well, um, and has a you know he's he's on top of that setup whatsoever. Mm. But they, but you know, if I was in that team, I'd want Rick set up because then it gives me the same opportunity to do the same sort of lap time as him. So I know it always doesn't work out like that, but that's what I'll be. If I was a driver, I'd be saying, you know, let's let's all start as a baseline with that setup and then 
see where we end up at the end of the day. Yeah, you can you can tinker with it through the weekend and see if you go faster or slower depending on. And you get yeah, exactly. too far, you go okay. Well, let's come back. But there's. It's funny because there's one at the front, there might be a couple in the middle, and then there's one at the back, mm. isn't there? Yep. There's always a big, big spread of Nissan throughout the field. Yeah, and poor Simona got beaten up again on in the, the Sunday race, had a few altercations with a few different people, which was, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, when you, uh, Dave, I don't want to get you in trouble here. We're not going to play the, <laughs> the card. But um, What card? Well, I'm just, I, you know. Is she an easy target? Is, is Simona an easy target? Well, I have no idea. I haven't really been around her much, so I can't really comment. But, Perfect. That's uh, the answer I was going to want from you. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't know. Maybe most of the guys that come up on, to her just maybe have a dive or yep. they just expect her to get out of the way. I don't know. I mean, I've she's had a few her. penalty points in the last couple of rounds for kind of muscling she's, back. She's had a lot of penalties against her name. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's her trying to flex her muscle and be and show that she's not going to be pushed around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she she should go out there and turn us all around. It'd be hilarious. Mm. Especially Van Gies, because that would go down well. Of course. (laughs) Her new teammates. Oh, what did I say? (laughs) It's, um, yeah. I don't know if that's true yet. I was lying. Well, there was plenty of there was plenty of uh, gossip around or chatter around pit lane about someone else that might be in the mix there, which was very interesting. So, yeah. Oh, really? Who was that? Uh, one person who yes, who was that? Who might be quickest at who might someone else who might have bagged a podium on on the on the weekend? Drives that super cheap car. It might have been the driver of that super cheap car. Yes. Uh, he actually goes very good at that track, doesn't he? I think there was like a stat that in the last like four years he hasn't been in the top five of yeah of the results. So whatever car he's got got given, yep. you know, he's somehow managed to get around that. Well, he, he track won there somehow. won there last year, and he had he took his breakthrough win there in twenty thirteen. Thirteen. So, yeah. yeah. So. You know, whatever whatever they they do, they they know how to kind of set up the car for there. So, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's a very difficult track too. Like it looks boring, and it is boring, but it is quite difficult. So what's a, what what do you, what? So I know it's not a favourite of yours, but what's the most difficult part to set up? Is it the the amount of corners and the drive that you need to get off those corners, or what's the you know how do you what, what's the the thing that you have trouble with? Uh, like the, in our car on the weekend, it was the the faster corner, so one and two, and all the bumps over the track. Because when you go for a track walk around it, you know, it, I think that I think it floods quite regularly, <laughs> and then like it sort of the track sort of warps and the sun damage and everything, and it's all rutted out, and there's all like little tiny bumps everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the the for us the bumps are really hard to control, and the corners like a they're quite weird. Like the last corner. I probably went around there a hundred times over the weekend and probably only done it well, maybe ninety-five, oh, five times out of a hundred. So ninety-five yeah. percent of the time, I've stuffed it up somehow. So um, it's just a really, it's just a tricky sort of track and the layout. Like it's, it's hard to race against because you can get stuck behind someone quite easily. Like yep. at the end of my race on Sunday, like I caught Slade with a rate of knots. And then I'd, he'd beat me through one and two, and then I'd spend the whole rest of the lap catching him up, and then it would just be like a cat and mouse game the whole time. Um, yeah, it kind of sucked. Like, he had a decent tyre advantage on him, not as much as probably everyone else in the field, but, like, even that wasn't enough to sort of tip it over the edge in your favour. No, exactly. And in our cars, like, 
if you get stuck behind someone for like two or three laps, you you tend to toast your front tyres like they go over a certain temperature and they make bugger all grip. Mm. So it's actually it's way way harder. So that's why when you got it, when you get to someone, you got to almost lunge and crash into them to get past them. Now, and speak- that's what I need. I need to do that better. Yeah. Now speaking of that uh, that super cheap driver, he was really the the pick of the bunch for for Tickford. Outstanding. Re- yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. The rest of the guys were a bit same same. In the in Richie the- had a had a good weekend. Yeah, he was twelfth uh, and eighteenth, so just outside the top ten for so they, which is not which is a really good result for for him this year. Um, gee, you got to, yeah, as I said before, we got to, you know, feel sorry for, for Winterbottom and Waters who had an absolute shocker. But Richie's come out and he said he's not concentrating on setup, he's just concentrating on driving, which is what he should have probably done at the start of the year being brand new to the sport. Yeah. Well, if you don't concentrate on driving, then you come last. You might as well not drive. Yeah. We get called drivers for reasons, because we're drivers. Let the engineer set the car up because they're a lot smarter than us. Yeah, that's what they're there for. Um, yeah. So we've we've come out of QR and then we finally get to the race that we've been talking about for a year. The what was originally touted as the Big Bash style of race, but SMP under lights. Dave, are you looking forward to racing around SMP under lights? Um, mate, I, I am. It just depends on how dark it's going to be because. <laughs> You know, um, I hope they can do a good job lighting the whole place, and I'm glad mm-hmm. they've gone back to the long track and not the short track. Yep. Um, I think the long track, you know, creates a bit more passing opportunity, uh, a bit more tyre deg, and opens up the strategy a bit as well. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. As long as we get a good crowd and, you know, we put on good good racing, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's um should be a good thing. But if it, if it rains, they're talking about, like, moving it to Sunday, which kind of defeats the purpose. And we had a look at the radar, and it could possibly rain. Oh, interesting. But it's a lot, long-term forecast. I think they said they might have to do that because, you know, like, if it rains and it's dark and, you know, the visibility goes back to basically nothing. So, But oh, I'm all for racing with no visibility. It makes mm. it way more exciting for me. How do you – how do you – I don't want to – you know, how do you – set yourself up and get ready for an event like that? Do you literally just turn up and go, I know the SMP layout, we're good? Or do you do something different? Do you practice in a sim under, lo- I don't know. How do you, how, <laughs> how do the... you, yeah, well, exactly. But how do you? Do you put a blindfold on and drive the sim? <laughs> I, I shower in the dark. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I, um, what I do is I, because like the race is quite late. Mm. So I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is trying to get out. I'm trying to sleep in and, and not get up at 6 a.m. like I normally do or 7 a.m. I'm trying to sleep in to delay my day because I know when it comes to like 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, I'm looking for somewhere to lie down. Yep. And that's when I have to be awake and be on point. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to start my day later. So, you know, I, my performance is still going to be good late at night. I guess it's that same sort of... Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I was going to say it's the same sort of setup for when the F1 drivers go to, like, Singapore and all that sort of stuff, and it's late at night, so they, you know, sleep during the day and come in, you know, do stuff later. Yeah. Yeah, try and turn your body clock around and all that sort of stuff, but, I mean, I... It's really hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to this race. I can't wait to see how it looks, and finally, under lights since, you know... I mean, you, some people say 97, some people say Abu Dhabi in 2012. 
whatever it was. So, yeah. Uh, Phil, what are you looking forward to about the SNP night race? What are you, are you are you going? Are you viewing it from home? What are you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going yet, but there's there's one thing that sticks in my mind that I haven't noticed that people have been talking about, and that is if you go all the way back to Super Touring in the mid-90s, there was a night race at Calder. Mm-hmm. And it was. Wet. Now, we were just talking about mm-hmm. wet weather, and if it's if it's a little bit wet and people are going to gamble on tyres, one thing that I'm sure most of the engineers will be across is that at night time, if, it, if there's a partially wet track and people are on wets, the water gets kicked up, and then nothing happens. It comes straight down back on the circuit again, so it takes a long time to dry out. That's so if there, is a, if there is a shower, especially in a long race, it could completely turn what would be a conventional strategy on its head because the track isn't going to dry out at the same sort of rate unless there's a big wind, and often we get those at Eastman Creek. And, and the other thing I'm looking at will be, we just talked about Moss at, at QR. He's always been strong there. Mm. One of the drivers who have always been strong at Eastman Creek. And, and the two Westies, of course, uh, Mark Winterbottom and James Courtney, even though they're not based there anymore, they always go strong in Western Sydney. So yeah. I wouldn't be discounting those guys at all. Yeah, look, I, the only thing I think would scare JC if there was a helicopter round. So hopefully they, we clear the, the oh. precinct. Oh. It'll be okay. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> too soon? <laughs> nah. Good. Nothing um, too soon. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's interesting because they're, they're two of the drivers that we've spoken about on this podcast that really need to stand up and, and, and bag a result. So if they can get some sort of result there, it, it's like a win for them, I guess. Well, Frosty was on the front row here last year and he, he led the early laps of the race. So mm. it, as you said, Brandon, it's a place where he's been strong in the past, very recent past. He, he was very disappointed, not so much, as he said in trackside, he was very disappointed, not so much the fact that he got punted on that one, but the fact that they changed the setup of his car to more closely mirror what Mostert has had in the Sunday race to try and figure out if that's the right direction they need to go in and what sort of benefit it would give them. And came up donuts because the impact broke his roller bar. Mm. So they had no idea what difference it made or not. So it will be very interesting. It will be very interesting to see if they can bounce back at SMP. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, because I mean they've they've come out and, and said you know, I mean Tim Edwards has basically said that they kind of are forced to test in public, which I thought was a it was an interesting comment because everyone's in the same boat, but you still everyone's get... in the exact same boat. Yeah. like you know yeah. we, we get three we get three test days a year. Um, and most teams have done one at the start of the year. We haven't taken another day. We've only done a few rookie days here and mm. there. Um, but, you know, most of the testing you do is on Friday. Yeah. That's it. So is this an unusual comment from Tim Edwards? Should he be not saying these sort of things? Or is it just a is it just an under-pressure comment from him to kind of deflect from the poor results that they've been having? Probably that, yeah. Just making up excuses for the sake of it. Yeah. <laughs> it is like, it is hard, though, because, you know, you've, you've got four cars, you've got all this... You got all these engineers probably making and building stuff, and not enough time to, or you know, not enough test days or whatnot to actually put it in the car or time these days. Because lately we've been racing like every two weeks, two mm-hmm. or three weeks we're in the car. You know, they, they come back, they turn the car around quickly, and we go off to the next one. Like there's actually the calendar doesn't allow a lot of time to do testing, so yeah, it um, creates another challenge, which for team owners there. I understand. I understand, I understand why he said that, but everyone is in the same boat. Mm. Well, you look at the format for the SMP Super Night that's coming up. You've got two 40-minute practice sessions. 
One is after dark on Friday night and the other one's going to be in the relative heat of the day and the sun on Saturday. So there's not a lot of, like, if you're trying to do back-to-back stuff as well as trying to make sure you're in the top 10 for exactly, so you don't yeah. have to do Q1, that's not... It's yeah. not practice, it's qualifying. Mm. It's going yeah. like we're qualifying again. It's full it's cool, of... because I, I like that. Uh, that system was kind of weird and funny and it gave up... Like we saw at Perth, it gave up many kind of mixed results, and I, I really loved it. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to, to see it back, but, you know, I guess we'll have to and wait. The guy who was 17th won the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, and look, the the battle I'm looking forward to at SMP is the battle between McLaughlin and, and Van Gisbergen, who we all remember last year had that little dust-up down the main straight, which then continued round the back, and... Uh, mm. Hoping Shane that, started it and Scotty ended it. Do you mean? Yeah, that's yes, exactly. Um, hoping that 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 battle resumes because you, you know, looking at these two guys who are top of their top of their game, just kind of slugging it out. Phil, is this is this a, the battle that you're looking forward to as well? It is. Uh, well, that's that's the obvious battle. The New Zealand Supercars Championship probably <laughs> been referring to it. Dave, you're the hope of the side. Your country needs you like never before. Mm-hmm. Me and, um, and Winkup are going to take it to them, the two Aussies. Look, there hasn't been a long distance single driver race for a long time in supercars, mm. and one of the, one of the men I'll be keeping an eye on is inevitably Craig Lowndes. And even if he qualifies in the team, you can't discount him from there. So as the race goes on, as the conditions change and as tyre wear becomes uh, a big question mark, I think someone like Lowndes has got a big opportunity here to, uh, to stand up and maybe take a few scalps. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really mount for the podium and could he, you know, he won his first, his first breakthrough win in V8 supercars way back in the day in 1996 was at Eastern Creek. So if he goes to SMP and wins again in his last year as a full-time driver, mate, the autograph queues are going to be there till three o'clock in the morning. Mm. What a story. <laughs> what a story. Sorry, Dave. I've just ruined your weekend. <laughs> no, I mean, Dave, Dave will be Dave will be second. And I'll be cool. Cool. finish just to make it interesting for everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, Super Night next week. Who do we feel you've uh, put uh, Craig Lowndes down as your man to beat? Will, what about you? Who, who's going to be your man to or person to to beat at uh, SMP? It would be good to see the Nissans back up there again. Mm-hmm. Because it's a track that they've all, like with the constant radius corners, they've always had a decent run there when they haven't been blowing tyres. They haven't been blowing tyres this year, so I'd, <laughs> I'd be very surprised not to see the 15 and the 23 at the very least up in the top five and maybe even fighting for podium and the win. Awesome. And I, I'm, I'm banking on Dave. Oh, thanks, brother. Yep. You don't have to. No, because no, I want to see the booty come out. The big booty, yeah. Yep. She's going to make a resurgence. Excellent. Love <sighs> it. Um, Will, you got a big question for us this week. Did someone actually write in? No, I, I was not. <laughs> oh. I totally forgot about this. Fantastic. We are That's so... That's well, hasn't it? It has. We'll bring yeah. it back next next round after after Sydney week. We'll, uh, yes, we'll, we'll bring back yes. the, the big question. The return of the Friday poll. Correct. Correct. Ah. Um, cool. Well, there's, as always, if you have any questions, you can uh, put the hashtag AskDave on uh, the Fox Motorsport Twitter and Facebook pages and we will read them out. And don't forget that we're still starting our campaign for the Dave Reynolds statue in the middle of Albury Square. Uh, 
This thing it's is Donga. It's called on the right Q2. side of the border, if you don't mind. It's got to be in Victoria. Darwin, no. New South Wales. <laughs> the, so, Q2 square, come yeah. to me. Uh, so Paul Murray's uh, taking up the mantle, and we're gonna gonna make that. Uh, happen at, at some point. Uh, We're going to make Albury great again. <laughs> correct. Make Albury great again. Um, <laughs> Will, thank you, for oh, your, yeah. thank you for your time this week. Anytime. Uh, Dave, as always, it's always a pleasure to chat to thanks. you. And, uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. We will uh, see you next time. And, Phil, thanks for coming on and, and uh, playing along and chatting some supercars chat with us. We probably Great ruined this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was cooking, though. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, dear. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And don't forget you can subscribe to us on all your podcast apps and Spotify and everything else. And we will see everyone after the Sydney Super Night Race.